and he'll never come out. Yeah. We also forgot to hand out um, these the index questions. Yeah. For, for yes. Q and A. Okay. That's okay. Um, I wanted Malcolm and Lawrence uh, and myself to be up here to kind of. This is probably uh, of all the three values. It's probably the most controversial one, um, just because this is such a um, it, it's it's a firecracker in uh, our society, right? Um, I think gospel centered. Even if you're not gospel centered, you can go like I can be on board with that. <laughs> um, spirit led, you like the spirit. <laughs> this is one of those that 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 can can make some people go. Well, what do you mean by this? And can make uh, people uncomfortable. Um, but I, I hear 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 us. The heart behind all of this is not to. Um, um, yeah, light a firecracker and just watch it explode and just to, to be against the culture. Um, the heart behind this is that Imago Day that we really, truly, truly, truly believe that God has created every single person in this room uh, in his image and he sees you as beautiful even if you don't feel like it. And even the most heinous people that you can come in contact with. There's, he, they were created in the image of God. Now, they've, they've been marring it since day one, right? But we want to push ourselves into looking at people that way and trying to uncover the beauty uh, that, is, that is there. Um, and so we want to celebrate that. Um, what, but we wanted to do this uh, anonymously because this is, like I said, it's kind of a, a tough thing. But what questions do you guys have about this multicultural um, value? Jake? Could you guys elaborate maybe the difference between multi-ethnic and multicultural, and what are some of the implications for that that you see, like on the ground for worship or yeah. community groups or whatever, whatever that looks like? That's great. That's great. The uh, you want like you know like, start. So, so one of the dangers. Yeah. So one of the dangers of particularly having a multi-ethnic church is that it's very easy to have a multi-ethnic church that is still monocultural. Um, it's very easy to have an interracial church that still tends toward white cultural expression. That's just the, that's the, that's the, natural, that's the natural tendency, especially for a number of American churches. Um, and so, and so this, is, this is why the first part of our, of our, of our articulation of, of multicultural is by intentionally celebrating different cultures and languages. For a number of, uh, for, and, this is, and, this is, and this is just true, I mean, I, I'm so... The other thing that I want to say is that uh, the three of us are also coming from different, uh, just from different experiential backgrounds. So I grew up, I grew up in, uh, in Black Baptist churches, um, but have spent the last number of years in, uh, in predominantly white churches. And, and there can be a tendency, particularly in predominantly white spaces, to not see what goes on there as a cultural expression. We see it as, let's just, normal. This is just how we worship um, then you see other expressions and see, oh, well, that's clearly, that's clearly cultural. It's like, well, a lot of the things that you do are also cultural. Um, and one of the ways that, and one of the ways that, that, that that's drilled in is just being explicit about that. So in celebrating, whether it's gospel music, whether it's singing in Spanish, whether it's particular hymns, things like that, um, that's something that, that we want to be explicit about because the tendency is going to be to, uh, for all of us, to move back to what's to what's comfortable, and when we and when we see an expression that's different from what we're used to, the tendency is that's weird, that's different, that's wrong. I 
leaders, can you handle this in some way? Um, and and the and and what we're and what we're going to try and, and what we're going to work through together is these is these kinds of things, celebrating the fact that God that God is worshipped in different communities in di- in different ways that are beautiful. One of the one of the um, there's a pastor up in uh, up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Mike Edmondson. Uh, leads a multicultural Orthodox Presbyterian church up there, which I can't imagine like what that's like. But uh, I visited, and and he was doing a Sunday school class. And what he was saying when he was articulating uh, his understanding of what it means to lead a multicultural church um, is that he says that it's a, it's a church where we don't where we don't want to exercise cultural tyranny. So the goal is reverent worship, and so for some cultures, reverent worship means. Some, in, in some cases, that you're quiet, that, you're, that, that, that maybe your head is bowed, maybe you're on your knees. That's what, that's what reverent worship looks like. For some, for some churches, reverent worship can mean that you're jumping up and down, hands raised, just, and dancing, and all these things. fact of the matter is, is that both of those expressions are present in the Psalms. And so for us to treat either of those expressions as the normative one, that reverent worship only looks like this, is to deny the richness of Scripture. And that's something that, and that's something that we that we don't that we that we don't want to do. And so we want to make sure that there are, that there's that that there's space in our church for all of those for all of those different types of expression, um, because the worship that we experience in heaven is going to be a mix of all of these things. Um, and so it's going to be it's going to be hard. It's hard to do, um, but um, but we're not but we're not doing this in our in our own strength. We're doing this because this is it, it is. It is, it is only by the work of the Holy Spirit that this can actually take place. And so that's what we're, that's what we're leaning into. Um, I was talking to somebody who said, you need to be a learner. And I thought that's a very good perspective yeah. because I certainly don't know everything and Shirley's going to help me learn how to move. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that will be interesting. How do we see that? And what if some of y'all have seen have been with us from the beginning, which uh, means like I mean, literally three weeks ago, but, <laughs> but I talked to you since before then, like last fall, you may have seen something that said we are a multi-ethnic church. You notice we've changed that to be multicultural church. It's because of what we said here. And in fact, this was a, a more recent kind of change and shift because uh, of this very uh, fact that what, what Malcolm just said here. We want that to be uh, seen as we're, we're coming to a, a very, we want it to be a very diverse church on many levels, ethnically but also socioeconomically. Uh, and so we want that to happen from uh, people from, from East Waco, people from North Waco, people from Central, wherever we are coming from, coming together and worshiping. And there's, it's, it's going to be hard to have people feel welcome in some sense to, that they are coming in and feel welcome to worship. I think a beautiful picture of this, if you've ever gone to Church Under the Bridge, uh, <laughs> you, go, you go to that and people are welcome and they're coming as they are. Uh, Jimmy Durrell's coming up in shorts and sandals and preaching a sermon. <laughs> and I'm like, I love this. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. Um, and that, that's, that's a slice of what it might look like. Other questions?
Any and all questions? <laughs> I, I just have another thing. It's a comment, really. Um, I've offended a bunch of people by pointing out the racism that I've seen in Waco, but what's really been hard is facing it in myself. Hmm. And I, I just wonder how you would respond if someone said, you are a racist. Most of us would go, ugh, are you kidding? No, that's not me. But in our heart of hearts, we still have to face that we have a sinful nature that disguises otherness. We want to be comfortable. So maybe I've offended all of you. I don't know, but I'm just saying in my own personal life, I've had to be honest. And it's not been easy. You know, because I just want to look good. <laughs> but to be good requires repentance. Mm -hmm. oh. We can be great for you in the bedroom, so don't come to see I think, I think um, our, our first first value that we we touched on last week, we didn't go deep diving into it. It's something that we're going to hit in. I mean, if it's one of our values, we're going to be hitting it over and over and over again and being gospel-centered. Part of that, that understanding, and we talked about this, um, about kind of that awareness of our sinfulness, um, I think part of us actually believing that we are worse than we think and so if someone does say something like, hey, that was kind of rude, rather than getting defensive, you're like, shh, you're rude. <laughs> I'm like, what did I say? That may have come across rude. Um, if someone says something that makes you, it feels like the, the ultimate accusation uh, of to be called a racist. But if we're able to go like, huh, yep, and you haven't seen the worst of it. <laughs> like, if we're able to just like go, yep, I'm a sinner. And I'm, I'm equally guilty of that as well as many other things. I've murdered you a hundred times with my mind right now. <laughs> right? I've done so many other things. Like, my heart is darker than the deepest part of the ocean. And yet, Christ loves me more than I could ever know. Like, that's, that, that can diffuse situations, but also build bridges uh, into these, these situations. I think kind of going back to like what the heart of this, and I want to keep going back to some questions y'all might have, but going back to the heart of this multicultural um, is the, I mean, the great commandment uh, to, to love God and to love people. This is kind of that. Like just, we just want to, this is a, very simply, loving people. But because our natural tendency is to like pull in a rubber band and you snap it back to its resting spot, our, nat our natural resting spot is to only love people like us we're making a value of being multicultural is to bend, to love people different than us. So even if that's loving uh, people that just get, you know, who, who uh, push on your nerves, that have you know, pet peeves, that's a very gener generic thing to talk about that. We want to be very specific because this is just our natural bend to not love people that are from different cultures than us. And so someone's going to come up to you and you're going to be like, oh, this is intense. Uh, we've had some of this I won't, I won't share, but we've had, we've had some neighbors who are like, oh, okay, we've got love in, in radical ways. I've got to figure this out. Um, and, and you just go like, okay. Um, but. Flint, I think one of the best ways to encapsulate that is 
just the always remembering to stay curious. Mm, that's good. And so in all things, like whenever you say, when somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, you offended me. If you're, if you're closed-minded, if you're bigoted, you're not going to be curious. You're not going to ask questions like, okay, when, how, where, how, like, tell me, you know, just literally being curious because, mm -hmm. and assuming, like, I don't know all things. Yeah, that's great. And, I mean, in every relationship throughout your life, that just levels the ground and yeah. builds trust. That's great. Always, someone, always, one of my mentors always said, just, just be Sherlock Holmes. Just start asking questions. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Noticing the bigger challenge is actually saying you are offended. I mean, maybe some of you are really good at it, but sure. I'm just saying that I think we ought to have that freedom and to say, yeah, that really weirded me out or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that often we yeah. are willing to do that. We're, we just take it and suck it up. Sure. Or just let it simmer. And then it becomes resentment, and then the, we get all kinds of other issues. Yeah, I, I think we need to be authentic. Yeah. Who we are. Go from there. How does the colorblind one sit? I feel like that's a that's a buzz one, and we 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 kept it in there for reason, for a very good reason. But how does that sit with you? Does that feel awkward that we are not colorblind? I mean, we're raised in a post-racial society where we were told that <laughs> in the 90s, you know, like family matters and all that, like, it's like, oh, everything's good for everyone, nothing wrong, nothing's happening, so we were told to pretend that color wasn't a factor because everyone was being treated the same, and then you realize, like, no, people of color actually want you to see that they have difference and to, like, not whisper. Like, you know, like, um, you know, they're like well-meaning people who still like, there was a black man, and I'm like, but he's okay with the fact that he's black. Like, that's nothing that he's ashamed about. But we're, it's almost like that even shows that we're still afraid that acknowledging someone's color is offensive. And it's like, no, it's like totally shifting your lens to see the beauty in other cultures makes you more comfortable with acknowledging their heritage and their like, like literally, like black is beautiful. Like it's you have you have to consume movies, literature, and stuff that shifts your thinking into seeing other cultures as literally like articulating like it is beautiful mm -hmm. and powerful and strong and smart because I've heard that my whole life. Yeah. So why aren't I hearing that about other cultures? And so it has to be a very intentional effort because even in our savior complex, we'll still like be well-meaning. And be like, oh well, you know, everyone has honor and dignity and worth and intrinsic value, but like you're still seeing them as like we're savior, fixing, helping people. That and like when you start seeing that they have beauty and value and something that I'm actually lacking in some areas, I could learn and receive from, and be better by. Like, yeah. it just yeah. yeah. That's so that's kind of why this isn't as helpful. It's really small, but. Um, um, that we get a fuller picture of the kingdom, and so I think that's putting this positively in a way that we're 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 missing out if we're not in these areas, uh, and so we do get a, a fuller picture. Uh, if you've been in these uh, uh, multi-ethnic, multicultural settings, you start realizing, oh, I'm getting something I didn't get before. Mm -hmm. um, you become, I guess, the the challenge is, can I become bicultural? What does that even mean? And, and I guess um, for me, it's been really interesting because I went to Mexico and learned how to you know, work within different socioeconomic and cultural contexts and then come to the States and go to 
the South and raise money in Mississippi, South Carolina, et cetera. And you have a whole different, and so you feel comfortable in both, and that means you're bicultural. I thought I was doing great until I got here to Waco. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Did I have a, some learning to do? But what does it mean to be bicultural? And, and I've never been called a racist until I got here. And it was my students. I mean, they would say, you're a racist. And I'm like, you're going to throw that card out already? <laughs> you know? And so, well, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, so, um, for me, it's been a very learning experience, and it's something I haven't arrived at yet. Um, one of the things I practice is I ask my students, and I ask others, have I been disrespectful? Is there anything I've done that was disrespectful to you? And then I, the hard part isn't asking that question. That's the easy part. It's formulaic. The hard part is listening to the other person. Um, partly because I just don't understand the Central Texas accent very well. It took me a while to pick up the English here. But, but then when, as I listen to the students, that, that in itself gives them value. When they realize, when my students or other people begin to listen to me, when I begin to listen to them, we're on equal footing. And there's a dialogue going on now. And that's very unusual for our culture nowadays because now in our culture, everything is argument. You want to argue the other person down. And that's what people are used to, and that's what we're going to be confronted with you know, as we, as we uh, go about this process. So, so to me, this is an adventure and learning what it means to be bicultural in the kingdom of God for his sake. And I think Paul did that. Paul was good at that. Paul called people to do that. Uh, it's hard work. Um, it takes discipline and a lot of reflection and a lot of help from, from other people. So I, would, I, I view this group as kind of a support group for doing that because really if you think about it, we're not about ourselves. That's not, we're not coming together for ourselves. We're going out to a community, to a very lost community, to a very confused community. And we need to be able to and be equipped to, to, to deal with people other than ourselves in our evangelism, in our outreach, in our discipling, um, in our lives. You know, it needs to become a way of life. And it's not going to happen on that. <laughs> not to me. Last words. Mm. Mm. Uh, just the, I guess the last point on the, on the colorblind thing. Um, I mean, blindness is never, blindness is never a goal. <laughs> this is my response to the colorblind thing anytime I see it as a as a something that we should be. Um, the goal is to the goal is not to be blind in any way, but instead to see as to see as God sees. Um, and 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 in that there's the there's the beauty the beauty aspect that you were that you were talking about, Hope. Um, that this is that 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 when we see that when we see when we see another person. That we see that we see the beauty that God that God that God created them with, and that that is then that is then what can, what continues to push us to love to love to love one another because the love that the love that God the love that God had for us and exhibited for us in uh, in Christ was while we were yet sinners we were there was nothing about us that would endear that would endear us to Him um, besides the fact that He chose to set His love on us um, and so and so when we so so if we're to live. If we're to live the life that he's that uh, that he's called us to, then we have then we have to be beacons of that of that of that same love. 
Um, that's something that we're calling that we that we call one another to. Um, as we as we start to live, as we start to live lives that will continue to inter intersect more and more with, with one another, we'll have opportunities to do that with each other. Um, but uh, but I'm I mean I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to the ways that we'll the ways that we'll see God's continuing work in, in his in his world. Um, yeah. Awesome. You will get the last one. Will you grab your guitar? Yes. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> While you're grabbing that, um, this is just kind of an overview of where where we've been, where we've been, where we're going. Um, Gospel-centered. You can read it. Multicultural. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about what it means to be spirit-led. Uh, we might have a prayer and praise night the next week. We'll talk about our networks. Um, of Acts 29, the PCA, what do these things mean? What is that? What are implications? Um, but before we go, we'll also do some training on this, but I want to give you this. Um, these are some must-reads, um, some of them right here, um, that I think for you as we start talking through this, this is a book called The Color of Compromise. Jamar Tisby, he just came and spoke at Baylor. Um, uh, fantastic. Um, I mean, he's got the podcast, Pass the Mic, if you have, uh, are a podcast person uh, as well. This is, we'll, we'll be talking through some of this. Uh, as well as this book, Divided by Faith. See how small it is? Uh, Christian Smith, Michael Emerson. Um, they've like researched 2,500 churches across America and, and found out how the church is more segregated than, than America is. Um, and, and it kind of gets down to the root and the nitty-gritty nitty of why. Uh, so, so good. We'll talk through this as well, but this is under must-reads. Uh, so if you want to go get it, go get it. Um, um, and then there's uh, Canaan Land by Albert. How do you say that last Rabbitoh. name? Rabbitoh. So Rabbitoh. It's, it's, a, it's, a very short, it's a very short summary of African-American religion, um, particularly African-American Christianity in, uh, in most of its parts. But it's as a history, as a history thing, and this is something that, um, that I think Jamar makes clear in the uh, in Color of Compromise, but it's something that I make clear every time I do talks about race or whatever, is that for us to have these kinds of conversations, we have to be on the same page about the history first. Um, because a lot of the a lot of the reactions, a lot of the questions that initially come in these kinds of conversations are things that can be dealt with with a robust understanding of a history that many of us don't get in school. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing my research on uh, on lynching and it's and that's it's a it's a suppressed history in black communities because of the trauma of it and it's a suppressed history in white communities because it's embarrassing and so nobody wants to talk about that at all um, but it's a it's a it's a it's 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 a number of decades in American history where uh, people are just operating under domestic terrorism it's one of the things that drives a number of uh, it, it's it's one of the things that drives the great uh, the great migration the, the great migration of millions of African Americans from the South into the North. It's not just for economic opportunity, it's also because of fleeing domestic terrorism. Um, but all of these are all of these are historical points that that for us to for us to engage in the kind of cross-cultural conversations that we want to be engaged in, there's a history we need to be aware of. Um, and so and so those are those are a few resources that can help with that. Like I think these are non-negotiable. <laughs> you can't expect someone yeah. else to educate you on. No. Yeah. No, don't yeah. look at me because I'm not going to answer all your it's questions. Not your job. Like, it's, it's not my job. So, so, so that's so that's one of the things. That's 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 one of the things we want to encourage. So we're giving you three books to read. 
And if you're like, I'm not a reading person, still non-negotiable. But this, this, this is on Netflix, the 13th. Yeah, 13th. Um, it's just called yeah, 13th. Yeah. I don't do reading. Uh, that's okay. Um, but if you're a big reading person, we have the deep dive. Um, Just Mercy, as Hope recommended before. Brian Stevenson, uh, God and Race in American Politics by Mark Knoll. Um, uh, as well as uh, the, the category, oh, you crazy. Um, <laughs> stamped from the beginning, um, New Jim Crow, Locked In, Aliens in the Promised Land, and the Christian Immigration Imagination. Um, so these are different things I want you guys to have for resources. Um, and we'll email those. We're going to email them. I'll email it to y'all. Yeah. All right, let's. Uh, Let's sing uh, a song, and we're gonna do some some in English, some in Spanish. Is that right? Actually, it's the same song. We're just gonna sing the refrain in Spanish. Okay. Uh, the chorus, and 